I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the Celtics Pod. As usual, I'm your host, Mr. Adam Taylor. Today, as usual, on a Monday episode, I'm joined by my boy, my homie, Mr. Greg Manakis. How you doing today, Greg? I'm good, man. Labor Day weekend, heading to a barbecue at one o'clock. Um, so everyone here is listening on a Monday. So we're recording this on a Sunday. So we're doing the Sunday barbecue because I can't, I can't do the Mondays, man. Monday Labor Day barbecues. I got work on Tuesday. It's just a little bit too much for me. <laughs> I got to be up early, man. I teach. I'm up at 5 a.m. every day walking my dogs for an hour before I head into work. Yeah, that, that's uh, the, it's not the food that makes it hard to wake up the next day. It's the uh, it's the accompanying beverages that make <laughs> it difficult to wake up the next day. Absolutely, absolutely. I got some new whiskey that I'm gonna open up. Uh, some re- you ever had red breast whiskey? No, I've never had red breast. Oh, you got to You got to try that out. My buddy just bought it for me because I helped him get this job recently. So he got me this nice bottle. I think it's like a hundred fifty dollar bottle, and uh, opened it up the other night. And it, it tastes pretty good. So I'm gonna bring it to the barbecue today. And uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have some fun, man. Labor Day weekend, gotta celebrate. Yeah, you're making me jealous, man. You're making me. Je- we got the, we got the good weather here, but like um, I just I didn't know the good weather was gonna be here, so I didn't prepare for no barbecue. Plus, <laughs> we don't have no long weekend here. It's just a normal weekend for me. So like um, you know, I'm I'm a bit jealous. I'm expecting pictures. I'm expecting pictures of amazing food, and uh, I'm gonna hold you accountable if I don't receive such pictures. For sure. My buddy, uh, his name is Brett Hazard. Shout out, Brett, if you're listening. He uh, smoked a brisket, so we're going to be having some homemade brisket, which is going to be pretty dope. Uh, but you have something to celebrate too, man. You got the blue check. I got the blue check. That kind of, I don't we gotta know talk why. about that. We got to talk about the blue check. Yeah, so um, it's there. It's next to my name. Like, uh, like look, man, like, so for anybody that's listening last week, obviously we didn't release a podcast. I had, some, um, I had a bereavement in the family, so I took a week to myself. And then, like, I'm, like, struggling to, like, follow basketball or do anything basketball-related at the time. And, obviously, I'm full, I do this freelance full-time now. So, when I don't do anything to do with basketball, I don't get paid. It's that simple. And um, I was like, man, I can't – I just can't bring myself to do this. And then, one day, I just logged into Twitter. And it's, like, Twitter verified has followed you. With this badge comes great responsibility. And I'm like, let's go. And it kind of dragged me back, you know? Like, let's do – like, it was, it's definitely a vanity metric. Like it doesn't like I'm not one of these people that's like, hey, I'm verified, so obviously, um, like I'm legit or I'm a source. Like I'm not like that. It's definitely a vanity metric, but it's a definitely. I'm very happy to have it. I'd rather have it than not. Did you see an increase in followers or anything like that? Like, how was the response you get in the blue check? So I had a few people DM me and reach out, say congratulations. I know you and Will put some out on your um your podcast platform profile and said congratulations. So I had that like followers now, like my followers increase when I tweet and I haven't been tweeting. So my followers have stayed exactly the same, but um, it's pretty cool. Like I, I'm going to, I haven't even started. I want to start following verified people and see if they're following me back. So like, uh, <laughs> like I remember saying to my friend yesterday, we went out for some food um, at my wife's family's house. I remember saying to one of them like, yo, you know, Drake. And they were like, yeah. I said, do you see Drake on Twitter? They were like, yeah. I said, see that blue check mark? They went, yeah. I was like, I'm just like Drake. I've got that same tick. So uh, I've been I've been joking around about it, but honestly, it's exactly the same, dude. You just it's just uh it's just cool to see, right? When you're promoting your own stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like if you follow me on Instagram, I tweet, and then I grab screenshots of my tweet and put it onto a graphic. 
So now having that little blue check mark, I'm wondering how much that's going to increase followers there. But again, it's just one of those things. It's just cool. It's a nice little vindication. Yeah, man, you've been working hard. You've been working hard. So uh, shout out to you for getting it. And I was so excited when I woke up and I saw that because I know you're going through a bunch of stuff right now. So to, to get that during this week, you know, that was definitely a gift from God, man. To, like, you know, I got to throw my guy Adam, I gotta throw my guy Adam <laughs> something here. Let's get him that blue check. But, no, you know, it's no, like, no. to me, I'm wondering. So for, for everyone listening, I'm a musician, right? So I put out a music video last year called Concussion which I put a whole bunch of, you know, resources, time, effort, energy into. And it went viral one day where like some random YouTuber in Russia that has like millions and millions of followers in Russia found my video online and then just like talked about it on his Russian YouTube channel. And I just got hundreds and hundreds of people from Russia reaching out to me talking about how much they like my video. And I didn't know what had happened. I was, <laughs> I was like, wait, what, what's going on right now? And that initial rush that you get knowing that you have this, you know, as you said, it's a, it's more of a vanity than anything. And once that rush wears off, you, you like, you're like, Oh, I made it to the top of the mountain. Like what's next? You know, that like a initial disillusionment that you, that you end up feeling. So are you still in the honeymoon phase right now? Or are you starting to be like, okay, I got the blue check. I've been trying to get this blue check for so long. I'm no longer rolling that ball up the hill every day and watching it roll back down, <laughs> you know? So like, wh yeah. where are you at right now with that? Message? I mean, I'm super goal orientated, man. So like once I achieve a goal, I want to know what that next, that next goal is. Right. So like, mm -hmm. uh, I was like, I had a two day period where I'm like, yo, this is dope. Everything I put out, it's got this little blue tick. Then now I'm like, all right. So I got it on one platform. I need it on the next platform. Mm -hmm. So now how do I go about doing this and getting it on Instagram? And that's kind of where I'm at now is like, Hey, I need it on Instagram too. So now the goal isn't just to be verified on Twitter. It's to be verified everywhere. Mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of what I'm going to work towards next. Because I think if you kind of hit that, that plateau and you're like, right, I've done this and I can sit back now. Like, again, it's definitely a vanity metric, but like, um, I need something to force me to push harder, you know? So like yeah. the, the next step for me is like, Hey, let's get that blue tick on Instagram when it's there. Now I want it on YouTube when it's there. How am I going to get it on Facebook? Mm -hmm. Um, and then once all of that's done, I'm gonna have to think. I'm gonna have to go back to my vision board and see what's next on that um, on that Mount Everest of goals. But, well, um, in this in this back background that you got the Celtics blog, a Celtics blog podcast, you got your handle there. I need to see the blue check next to your name on this for the next one. And then just for me, man, because I don't know if I'm ever gonna get a blue check. Just for me, you know, you could throw me a blue check on this, and I'll, I'll appreciate that. Yeah, man, I'll get it sorted for uh, in the next few weeks, man um right then i mean we've been talking we haven't said a word about basketball just yet we but everyone you know you missed us for a week you've got a cat you gotta get down with uh with the updates man down with the updates jokes aside i think me and greg have got like um this was all greg's idea as well so it's um props goes to greg um it's going to be a pretty cool bit of a different episode so the, what we're going to do is obviously we're going to have a bit of a discussion about the juancho hern and gomez trade i think everybody would expect that but then we're going to go into some a little bit unique. We're going to discuss our starting fives. Again, that's normal. Probably been done a couple of times on the show. But then we're going to go into our substitutes and what we expect to the, the substitute rotation to be off the bench. And Greg kind of um, postulated doing it at seven minutes, at three minutes, the start of the second quarter. And then again at, what was it then, Greg? Eight minutes, eight minutes left in the half and five minutes left in the half. So yeah. what's, that's going to be our closing five. And that's just going to be the first half of a game and what we would like to see 
at least tried out as a substitute rotation, which is pretty cool, man. I mean, I've got to give you props because uh, that's like super in-depth. It's super um, it's niche down. I think it's going to add to that. It's going to be quite a fun discussion. So we'll start with Juancho because, you know, that's the news that everybody wants to hear about. How are you feeling? For me, I'm kind of happy they moved on from Carson Edwards. I feel like um, that was always going to be a difficult guy to move just because of how little value he had around the league. Chris Dunn, I, I, I'm kind of nonchalant about We never saw him produce anything. I don't feel like no connection towards him. Um, and again, I just didn't see him getting much run with this rotation anyway due to the depth at the guard position. And then a pick swap, and it's like 2026 second round pick swap. Who really cares? So yeah. <laughs> like, who cares? You know what I mean? Uh, what I will say is it's nice to see Brad Stevens really making the best juice possible out of these second round picks. He's squeezing mm-hmm. that he's squeezing that lemon for every ounce of juice he can get. How are you feeling about this whole trade? What what should, what angle are you kind of looking at this? Well, the first thing you gotta think about is what was the position of need for the Celtics? And I think power forward, even though Jason Tatum right now is our starting power forward and he's our best player. Um, that was definitely a position that was lacking. Besides Tatum, is there anybody that you could really say is a power forward on the roster? Like maybe Grant Williams, maybe Jabari Parker. But I think, you know, Tatum's probably the only true power forward in the modern game. And even then, he he trends a little bit more towards a wing than a power forward. So we needed a little bit more depth of that position. And the fact that we're able to trade out two end of the bench guys who probably wouldn't see one minute of action in a meaningful game for someone that could come in and could potentially steal that backup power forward role. I think that's a huge win, right? Right off the jump. And just in general, what Brad Stevens has been doing this off season, he's just adding players that are professional basketball players. You know, we, we're not going to see Tremont waters. We're not going to see taco fall. We're not going to see Carson Edwards. We're not going to see semi Ojale. We're not going to see Luke Cornette anymore. Those guys do not really belong on NBA rosters. Pretty much everybody on the roster right now that you're that we have is someone that I think for a majority of the teams around the league, they would get a roster spot. You can make an argument, Jabari Parker, but he's non-guaranteed. You can make an argument, Bruno Fernando, but he's the last guy in the rotation. So everybody that we currently have can play in the NBA, and that's my first thought. And Wancho, I haven't done the Adam Taylor, Moses Brown treatment yet <laughs> going back. You're watching every single play that he's done. Um, but from what I remember seeing him uh, and also just watching like brief highlight reels of him, he's a guy that can dribble, pass, and shoot, which is huge. Um, and he's 6'9". You know, Grant Williams, who's probably our, our backup power forward right now, is 6'6", and he's more of a small ball five than a power forward. So I think this is a huge win for the Celtics, man. What do you think? Yeah, I mean – the first thing you say is that um, that Moses Brown treatment, you've just made me realize that I need to do that for Juancho. I haven't actually <laughs> done that yet. So uh, I'm going to do that this week. I agree with everything you said. Like, look, this team is now far more um, professional in terms of the experience, um, 1 through 15. It's far more robust in the way that they can kind of plug and play up and down from positions. It's very switchable, very versatile. But there was a big hole at that backup four position. I don't think Grant, Grant Williams, as currently from what we saw last year, he doesn't project as a good um, defensive piece at the four. He kind of got he got cut there quite consistently. His best, best performances were definitely at the small ball five. Mm-hmm. Jabari Parker, I did see him as a backup four, I will admit. 
I do think that he also has more upside at the small ball five, just because you're not asking him to have these like ridiculous lateral quickness. You can just play drop. So Hernan Gomez coming in makes a bunch of sense. And for me, obviously being able to space the floor the way Poncho does and um, being able to rebound a little bit, he's not much of a facilitator, but he's going to create open opportunities in terms of driving and being able to allow guys to cut off the wings that you just wouldn't get if you had Jabari Parker there. Maybe if you had Grant Williams, yeah, but Grant Williams just lacks the size to be able to be a valuable screener as well as a floor spacing piece. I think you can run some... Um, some good screening sets, some maybe some double drags in transition or whatever, and Juan shows big enough that he's going to give defenders a bit of a problem when they're navigating those screens. So, uh, no, I'm all for it, man. And then again, he's non-guaranteed next year. Mm-hmm. So you still got that that flexibility that Brad Stevens has been speaking about so uh, effusively. Is that the right word? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. So effusively over the, over the summer months. He's definitely been very focused on next offseason, being able to pivot when you need to. And again, he, he's making the he's took he's took this roster that was just a bunch of lemons and he's made some real good lemonade, man. Um so I'm really impressed with the moves he's making. This roster now to me is just fifteen deep. It, mm-hmm. I feel like obviously there's a drop off. There's always going to be a drop off. But when as you said, we're not dropping off to guys that would be high level G League players now. We're dropping off to low-level NBA players. And that talent disparity that we saw last year when guys went to the bench just isn't going to be as prominent now. And that's a, a huge win, huge, huge win. I like the pickup of Juancho. For sure. And we're not going to semi Ojale right now, right? So just, our true backup for last year was Semi, and now it's Juancho. That's a big difference. semi Ojale in terms just pure skill level, Semi offered, you know, I don't want to rag on Semi too much because I do think there might be a place in the league for him, but it just isn't, he he needs to be in a very specific situation. And I think being in Milwaukee might actually be good for him, being next to Giannis and Middleton and Drew Holiday, where he won't have to do much at all. And the Celtics kind of needed him to do a little bit more than he was capable of doing. Just like the idea that, you know, pump fake, take a dribble and make something happen. He couldn't do that. All he can really do is stand in the corner, kind of in that P.J. Tucker role, which I think is what he's going to go into with Milwaukee, stand in the corner and shoot threes. The Celtics need just a little bit more, and that was not in his bag. Wancho does have that in his bag. He's pretty good at, you know, a couple dribbles um, going into the lane. He's good at finishing with his left hand. He's not much of a uh, facilitator, as you said, but he he is versatile in what he can do, especially from a screening um, point of view where he can – pick and pop, he can pick and short roll, and he can pick and roll all the way to the basket. Being 6'9", he's quicker off his feet than I thought he was, um, just kind of watching some tape of him. He, he gets up and, you know, dunks the ball pretty quickly. He's a little bit more athletic. Yes, you know, there's some up and unders that he has in his highlight reel that are nice, up and unders that you would never see Grant Williams make, you would never see Semi Ojale make. So he does have that extra potential. And then just the idea that he is an integral part of the Spanish national team and the beautiful brand of basketball that they play. If the Celtics want to show more ball movement, as Ime Odoka said in his um, initial presser, I think he's someone that might end up playing a legitimate, you know, 15 to 20 minute a night role with this team. Yeah, and I know a lot of people are looking at like, oh, he had a bad year in Minnesota. He kind of got played off the floor by like um, some of the younger guys out there. I think, um, was it McDaniels took minutes or Culver? Somebody took minutes. Yeah, Jaden McDaniels. Um, took minutes off him over in Minnesota. And I think 
that while that's a completely fair criticism to be like, hey, if this guy can't get minutes on the Timberwolves, how is he expecting to get minutes on the Celtics? I completely get that criticism. But my rebuttal there, and this is usually whenever there's a trade and people are asking these questions, is fit is so underrated in terms of success for an individual within within the NBA. If you don't fit on a roster due to their brand of basketball or the pieces that are around you, maybe they don't um, accentuate your skill set or maybe you don't accentuate their skill set, then you can look worse than what you actually are. Again, it's the same as Shemi. If you're asked to do too much, you can look really bad. If you're asked to play within a very defined role, you can look way better than what you actually are. So I do think that there's a lot to learn and a lot we can learn by going back and looking at how Juancho's played over the last 12 to 18 months. But you've got to take into account the games with the Spanish national team. Then you've got to take into account, hey, mate, were they playing a really high-paced brand of basketball? Was it too fast for Juancho? Was he being asked to operate as a trail man? And if he wasn't, then why wasn't he if he was struggling to match the pace up and down the floor? So I think there's ways to kind of look at it holistically that could kind of bring you back to at least a, well, we'll give this guy a chance. But I am quite happy with his um, acquisition. And I agree. I think that um, the floor spacing is going to be integral. Even if you want to run a little bit of dribble handoff off the post action, run some wedge screens, get Juancho into the post, and then run like a, I don't know, like a 21 chase and then get a guard to pitch or pitch it in and get it. I don't know. I'm just throwing words out right now. Um, <laughs> I can vision what I'm on about in my head. Um, but I think that you could do a lot around that post region with someone like Juancho. And you know Tatum likes to work off that post as well. He likes that post fade away. So I'm looking for some inside-out passes from those guys. Now, it's going to be a real, real fun kind of rotation between those two. And then if you want to throw Jabari Parker in there, I do think that Jabari is more instant offense than what Juancho is going to be. Mm -hmm. I think Jabari can go and get his own bucket where I don't feel that confident that Juancho can. So hopefully we do see Jabari Parker kind of put a lot of pressure on Juancho and try and redefine himself as an NBA player while he's in the last year of his contract. So there's going to be a lot of um, roster battles that I'm going to be really intrigued through uh, throughout the next few weeks. Same for sure. And I think that's a, that's a great uh, transition as we're going to get into, uh, into this next little activity uh, with the rotation. So uh, do you want to, do you want to give me your first start in five? Or you want me to go first? Go for it, man. It was your idea. Go for it. Okay. So my start in five, I got Marcus Smart starting at the point guard. Aaron Neesmith at the two, Jalen Brown at the three, Jason Tatum at the four, and Al Horford at the five. Where does that match up with you? It's exactly. It's it's perfect. It's exactly what I would have gone with. Yeah, so go ahead. I I gave us the lineup. You give us the reasoning. Okay, so for me, I think Marcus Smart, in my opinion, is still the best playmaker on this team. Um, I do think that his playmaking ability is slightly underrated. He he knows all the sets. He knows, like, when you play with guys like Tatum and Brown for the amount of time that Smart has, you know where guys' sweet spots are. You know where they like to receive the ball and where they're going to be positioning themselves to be in a position to receive the ball. So that understanding is going to be huge. I think that putting Smart in the starting lineup with some high-level scorers around him is going to help limit his heat checks and his bad shot decisions. Because we all know his, um, some of his shot selection is quite questionable at best. So being around guys that are clearly better scorers, hopefully that kind of reigns that in for him. Neesmith, in my opinion, I think that by having Neesmith in the starting five, you can if he makes some mistakes, they're, they're not as prominent as if he's with the bench unit. You know, you, 
if he has a turnover, that's okay. More athletic guys will run around him in Tatum and Brown that can try and uh, limit the impact of anyone trying to get a run out on him. He's going to give some valuable spacing too. Um, I want to see him get some movement shooting coming off wings, any pin down plays that they want to run there. Tatum and Brown are self-explanatory. I don't think we should even need to explain why they're in the starting five. And then Horford for me, if Marcus Smart's not the best playmaker on this team, then Al Horford is. I think it's it's that straightforward, right? And being able to run a five-out offense, especially if you're trying to add that spacing to allow guys to cut on 45 cuts or baseline or whatever you want it to be, Al Horford being your secondary creator or your initial um, primary initiator or Smart as your secondary creator, whichever way you want to slice that, um, that makes a bunch of sense. I think everyone's expecting Al Horford to be bad because he didn't play much last year. Mm-hmm. But in all reality, he didn't play much because Oklahoma were winning when he was playing. They had yeah. to sit him to tank. Exactly. So, you know, that veteran savvy, he's going to help. I think um, I'd like to see some screen plays between him and Neesmith. I'd like to see how that works on some dribble handoffs. And um, I just think Al Horford's too savvy of a vet to ask to come off the bench. And I think if you did, put um, Robert Williams in the starting five, you lose so much impact off that bench unit that to me, it's actually um, a detriment to the team because, you know, you, you need to manage Rob Williams' minutes as best as possible. So bringing him off the bench and asking him to be this battering ram of like a, a, a Hadouken type of thing <laughs> off the bench, that that's uh, that's mega important in my opinion. What uh, do, if I, Is there anything I haven't said? Um, yeah, so I think if you're going to start Neesmith, you have to start Horford. I wouldn't want to start Neesmith and Lobb in the same lineup because I think, one, you know, you need to be bringing somebody off the bench that's just instant energy, and I think both of those guys have that capability. And I think if you're going to go Neesmith off the bench, you risk um, missing out on opportunities for development with him because I think long-term development, he needs to be the start in two of this team or somebody within that role that can shoot off the screens and shoot off the movement. So I think giving him the consistent, you know, beginning of the game, whatever, you know, whatever the sub ends up being, which we'll get to, I think Neesmith needs to have the consistency so that he can rely on that consistency throughout the year and just develop into that role. Now, I don't know that Neesmith is going to be playing a lot of second-half minutes, but I think giving him that initial starting role is, is going to be really important for his development. And Horford, I, I agree with you. I think Horford's going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, maybe, you know, in Boston, I think he's kind of a polarizing figure. A lot of people, you know, like people called him average Al, like the Lou Maloney's of the world. But if you knew, if you knew basketball, you saw the impact that he had. He's been in tough situations for his skill set over the last couple of years. And I think coming back to Boston is going to help get whatever – is left of Al Horford's prime years. If it's 20%, whatever it is, I think we're going to see it. And I'm excited with this starting lineup. And one more thing with Neesmith that you didn't touch on, Smart, Brown, and Tatum, you don't want them expending a ton of energy on defense. And I think Neesmith being the like instant energy that he is, that starting lineup over the last couple of years, for whatever reason, was kind of just lacking enthusiasm. The first quarter always always just seemed very unenthusiastic. Very apathetic in nature. Guys are kind of just playing into the game. And I think Neesmith is going to come in 
very similar to that game where Robert Williams got his first start and he was just all over the court for that first quarter. I think you're going to see that on E. Smith. And I think that's important because you don't want Marcus Smart going 100% on defense, picking up 94 feet from the beginning of the game. I think you can sick Neesmith on, you know, somebody that you could just frustrate them, get in their head by putting the super energetic guy on them from the beginning of the game. So that's the only thing I think you missed with Neesmith. And that's fair. And that's a very fair point. And I agree. I think that um, there's, there's a couple of high energy guys on this team now. So being able to distribute them between the starting five and the, um, the, the backup rotation is ridiculously important. The last thing I want to kind of touch on is just because you're giving Neesmith starting minutes, does not sorry, a starting role, does not mean he's getting starting minutes. He was, I'm still expecting him to have, you know, a, a 12 to 16 minute a night type of um, rotational role. He's just starting games. And it's more important who finishes games than who starts. But I do think that his presence on that starting five actually improves the spacing to try and, as you say, have an enthusiastic start to games, try and punch teams in the mouth early instead of always being the team that has to claw back from a 10 to 14 point deficit once you realize, like, oh, these guys really came to play and we were just toying around. So then the first rota- the first substitution we're going to do is at eight minutes, right? Seven or minutes. Seven, seven minutes. So who are you bringing in at seven minutes? So kind of going off of what we did last year, um, I don't know that I would recommend taking him out this early, but this is what happened last year is Tatum was usually one of the first people off the court. He was usually around the seven-minute mark. So I'm going to bring in Wanchell for Tatum, and I'm going to bring in Schroeder for Smart. So my second lineup starting at the seven-minute mark would be Dennis Schroeder at the one, Aaron Smith at the two, Jalen Brown at the three, Wanchell at the four, and Al Horford at the five. How about you? Yeah, so I'm definitely bringing in um, Schroeder at the one at that seven-minute mark. Uh, Tatum being the first guy to the bench, that makes sense. I don't know whether I'd bring in Juancho or Parker. Mm. I think that, I mean, it's a cop-out here just saying, you know, that situation or it depends on the matchup. But I do think that Juancho's going to get be ahead of Parker in that rotation, so I agree there. I'm not sure whether I'd want to sit Neesmith as well and bring in Peyton Pritchard there or Josh Richardson. I think I'd want to get Richardson in alongside Jane and Brown as much as I can as well, just because mm. I think those two are going to play well off each other. So I think the only difference for me is I'd want to bring Richardson in. No, do you know what? I, I'm going to agree with you because I'd bring Richardson in a little bit later once um, the rotation starts to get a bit deeper. So yeah, I'll agree. Schroeder and Pancho at seven minutes in. And then the next substitutions at what, four, three minutes or five? At uh, three minutes. Yeah, three minutes. So just real quick. What I like about this lineup is we keep shooting on the floor. Um, you know, Wancho coming into the game, 35% over his career from downtown, had that one stretch in Minnesota where he was, you know, really dominating in, in his role, averaging about 13 points a game on 43 from downtown. I think he did that for about 14 games when he first went to Minnesota. So he has that potential and he has some gravity at, at the four. Um, this is you can allow Schroeder to really do his thing right off the jump when he comes into the game. Just put the ball in his hands and let him be that water bug that he is getting into the lane and causing havoc. Um, and I, I just like this idea where you can have Jalen on the court being effective without necessarily needing him to be the primary creator. And I think that's something that he struggled with at the very beginning of, you know, not at the very beginning, but like later in the year when teams start to game plan. 
I thought the beginning he was pretty good because people weren't used to his ability to be a primary scorer and a primary creator. And then they started game planning for him and he struggled with it and he started making a lot of turnovers. So if you can get JB in second side actions with Schroeder initiating the offense, I really, really like that idea. And uh, you keep Al Horford on the court a little bit longer, kind of let him get into the groove a little bit. And um, Neesmith, this is why I think it's important to keep Neesmith on the court because once he's out of the game, I'm not sure when he comes back in. So I want Neesmith's first stint to be as long as possible. No, I completely agree. I think um, you, the spacing as well, when you've got Schroeder on the floor, the spacing is going to be ridiculously important because he is definitely more of a slasher. He is more of an interior finisher. He can score from outside, but that's not his primary instinct once he receives the ball. He's always looking to attack off the rip through. Very similar to what we saw from Jalen Brown two years ago before Jalen really started um, improving that pull-up jump shot and that catch-and-shoot jumper. So I agree there, but I do think that once you get down to that three-minute mark, bringing off Jalen, bringing off Neesmith, and bringing off Horford are going to be important. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they're all going to be tired. I think I'd then go with probably slide Pritchard in at the two because mm-hmm. you keep some, you've got that logo range, you've got that spacing. Uh, Josh Richardson in at the three. I think that Richardson's going to give you some three-level scoring, but at least with Pritchard, you, I feel like Pritchard's more reliable from deep than what Richardson is. So I definitely want to see those two paired up as much as possible. And I feel like Schroeder and Richardson can kind of cover for any defensive lapses you get because of Pritchard being there between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Rob Williams replaces Horford. And that would be how I'd end that first half then. I'd end it with Schroeder, Pritchard, Richardson, um, Juancho, and Rob. I think that would be my, my, my final three minutes of the first quarter. That would be what I'd like to see. Okay, so I have a little bit different than you. Um, so I'm not bringing in Richardson yet, but I'm going. I'm doing a, a, a pretty big substitution here. So Neesmith sits for Pritchard, so I'm with you on that. I like Pritchard coming into two, leaving Schroeder at the one. Um, but I actually have Smart coming back in here instead of Richardson. Uh, so Smart gets Wancho, Lob gets Al, and then Tatum gets Brown. So my closing first quarter is Schroeder at the one, Pritchard at the two, Smart at the three, Tatum at the four, and lob at the five. So the cons of this lineup, it's a little bit less shooting, right? You got Schroeder, Smart, and Robert Williams all on the court at the same time. Um, but I do like Smart's ability to guard up. And I think the potential for three-quarter court pressure could negate any negatives about the shooting. I think this, this lineup could cause a lot of turnovers with ball pressure because the lineup is so fast. And we saw, again, Schroeder, he was so good in that three-guard lineup for OKC. You know, there, there's a difference between Schroeder, Pritchard, Smart versus Schroeder, SGA, and Chris Paul. The, the talent's a little different, but I do like the similarities in what those lineups could bring. But we got four ball handlers and playmakers plus a vertical spacer with this theoretical lineup. Once again, Schroeder, Pritchard, Smart, Tatum, Lobb. Um, I love getting Schroeder and Robert Williams in pick and rolls. Um, I think Pritchard is probably one of those guys that's going to be the, the opposite of Neesmith. Like, if he's hot in his first stint, it's going to be really hard to take him off the floor. Whereas Neesmith, you know, once he's off the floor, you might not be able to get him back on, you know? And I think it, 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 it's, it all depends on um, Pritchard's ability to be a playmaker. So if he, if he can do a lot with his shooting and show that he's developing as a playmaker, that's going to be huge. Um, I like the idea of keeping Lob in for short, short bursts of playing time. So if you bring him in at this three minute mark, his first stint is three minutes, high energy, and then you sit him 
um, you know, into going into the second quarter. He's still going to be on the court, but he's going to get that second quarter break. Um, yeah, and then Tatum, I like him here with this lineup because you're going to see him, I think, a lot of high screen actions, just like he did with Team USA. I thought he was really good setting, you know, the double staggered screen where you have Tatum setting that first screen and then rolling to the to the wing. Robert Williams setting the second screen and then rolling hard to the basket. So I, I, I like what this lineup could bring. I am a little bit nervous about keeping Richardson off the court so so long into the game, but I do like what this lineup can bring. No, and I completely get that. And I understand that the way I've done it is kind of sitting your three main players early in the first. But the reason I've done that is predominantly because I'm, I'm, I want to see, and in my head this is all going to be early in the season, I want to see how deep this team really is. And to do that, you know, you can keep your Jalen and Jason off the court a bit more in the first. And then if you are in a bit of a hole, you can explore how to get back in the second. I want to see what resilience they've got. And that's why I've done it the way I have. To start the second quarter, I'd probably go with something like, and the spacing on this guard tandem isn't great, but I'd probably go something like Schroeder, Smart, Brown, Tatum, and then I'd keep Rob out there for a while to start that second quarter because I know that um, Marcus Smart and Rob Williams have an amazing kind of telepathy when it comes to pick and roll actions with those lob threats. Um, I think Schroeder's penetration play could really help somebody like Jalen Brown lifting out of the, um, the weak side corner onto the wing and just hitting off catch and shoot. And then obviously you've got room for Tatum to just do whatever Tatum wants to do. I'd like to see Tatum um, setting more ghost screens and then kind of you know, set a go screen, hit yourself out to the wing and then attack off a, any catch there, however you see fit. And Rob Williams rolling to the rim is just always going to create that mid-range shot for Tatum or that rip for opportunity. So I'd like that to open the second quarter. I think you've got real good defensive versatility at one through five. I don't think there's any weak piece there defensively. It's probably one of your best defensive units in, in any rotation you could throw out there. And I'd like to start the second quarter like that simply because I think you can really wear a team down in that second quarter and when they're going deep into their bench. One of Boston's biggest um, attributes now is their depth and their defensive versatility. So starting a second quarter with a lineup like that that's going to just grind you to a halt on every offensive possession. They're just not going to let you get an inch. That's going to be really good to create some form of momentum going into the second quarter into halftime. Definitely. Yeah, I, I love that reasoning. I love that reason. My my lineup here, um, I'm going Josh Richardson. This is his first stint with me. He's getting Schroeder. Um, so it's Pritchard, Smart, Richardson, Tatum, and Rob Williams. Um, this is, as I said, this is pretty late in the game for Richardson, who I think could be the starter at the two, if we're, if we're being real. He might get that nod over Aaron Neesmith, especially being Udoka's guy from Philly. Um, but I like having this guy that's super hungry for minutes starting the second quarter. So Richardson, if he's not starting the game, he's starting the second quarter, and he's like, I'm about to make an impact, and I'm going to prove that I deserve to start the game. And the defensive duo of Smart and Josh Richardson, I think, could be really special. And once again, we have four playmakers, Pritchard, Smart, Richardson, Tatum, and a vertical threat. So the same reasoning I had for my end of the first quarter unit, I apply here. Um, and it, the, the big thing about this is just a little bit more size, right? You have... Pritchard at the one, Smart at the two, Richardson at the three, Tatum at the four, Williams at the five, Schroeder's off the court. Um, so, you, so you get a little less um, quickness on the court, but a little bit more size. 
And I think this is where you see Tatum or Smart running the show with Pritchard stretching out to the logo. And if Richardson shows he can shoot again, we have four capable shooters here. Uh, so the next sub would be at the eight-minute mark in the second quarter. I have Wancho getting his second stint, getting Tatum. Um, then I have Al Horford coming back in for Robert Williams. And then I have Jalen Brown coming in for Marcus Smart. So I got Peyton Pritchard, Josh Richardson, Jalen Brown, Wancho, and Al Horford. Um, as you said earlier, I want to see Richardson and JB together as well. I think they could play play well off each other. Love the versatility of this lineup. And I like getting the idea. I, I like the idea of having Pritchard having one stint in each game in which he is the point guard on the floor. There's no Schroeder. There's no Smart. There's no Tatum. So I think that's important for his long-term development. So this three-minute stretch, I think, is going to be really important for him. It's his last stint of the half, so he's going to be in rhythm. You're not immediately throwing him into the game and being like, hey, you are the backup point guard. You let him get loose, and then at the end of his stint, you let him be the point. Um, I really like that. Then you have Al Horford at the top. You can run offense through Al. Um, if Pritchard's struggling, you know, actually being the primary creator, you have Al Horford back in the game there. You want JB cooking a little bit with the biggest thing, the biggest issue that I'm seeing right now of everything that we've postulated is that JB hasn't been featured yet. But as I said earlier, I think he's probably better suited for secondary action. Um, and then, you know, he's, I, I think with Wancho at this point, this is maybe the opportunity for Grant Williams to sneak into the game, see if he can run a little bit at the four or for Jabari to come into the game. Because it's going to be a very short stretch. Because the next the next uh, sub's going to be at five minutes, and that's going to be the last one. But who do you got here at this eight minute stretch? So I'm pr- I'm very similar to where you are. I'm going to slide Peyton Pritchard into the one. I'm going to slide JB down to the two. I'm going to slide Tatum down to the three. I'm going to bring Juancho in at the four. But then I'm going to go a little bit smaller at the five, and I'm going to slide Jabari Parker in at the five. Mm. And I think that the spacing on that unit. Um, the speed that they can play at as well, you know, we, due to that, um, you know, Juancho is probably going to be the biggest guy on the floor at that point. Um, you're going to really be able to have some interchangeability defensively. It's going to be a complete switch everything for that short stint. But you're also going to really be able to pressure the pressure the uh, defense from the perimeter. It's all going to be very perimeter-based offense. You're going to create a bunch of room around the rim um, for some high-low entry passes. You're going to be able to run a bunch of screening actions, whether that be flat screens or what uh, wedge screens, ghost, whatever you want it to be. And there's going to be so many different opportunities to create driving lanes for a guy like a guy like Brown. You're going to have Peyton Pritchard that likes to probe off the, pen- off the penetration dribble to find somebody that's attacking off the weak side corner or find someone that's ripping in off the weak side wing. Um, so that five-man rotation there for me, for a short stretch, you're giving Jabari Park a chance to kind of earn some minutes and kind of show you what he can do as a small ball five. I think that's where his defense is always going to be at its least negative of an impact because he doesn't have to move his feet too much laterally. Um, I think Juancho is going to give you some great space. And Tatum at the three is always fun because he's just so athletic and so strong when going up against, especially against the second unit defense um a defending three uh brown again at the two i, I want to see what he can do there last time i saw him for long stretches there i was i had some questions i'd like to see answered and i'm the same as you i think pritchard needs a stint where he is the lead point guard a three minute spurt of just a five out offense with um, a little bit of a small ball feel to it I, i'd be intrigued to see how that would work and i'd be very encouraged at the pace of play that they could operate at 
Definitely, definitely. And then so the final sub, this is our closing unit. Five minutes left in the half. Um, I got Tatum uh, coming in for Pritchard, Robert Williams coming in for Al, Schroeder coming in for Richardson, and Smart coming in for Wancho. So we finished the half with, I think this is your closing first quarter lineup, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Schroeder at the one, Smart at the two, Brown at the three, Tatum at the four, Robert Williams at the five. And I think this is going to be the closing five in a lot of games with the caveat being can the Celtics avoid the Schroeder size mismatches because, you know, we run into a lot of issues, same issues that we saw with Kemba and with IT. Even though Schroeder is a pretty good defensive player, he is one of the smaller players on the team. So against the bigger teams in the East, you've got to be a little bit worried about that. And secondly, is there enough shooting on the floor? I think this is by far the Celtics' most skilled lineup, and what we're seeing a lot in basketball these days is that skill kills. As long as the Celtics aren't settling for jumpers, I think having Schroeder's quickness on the floor outweighs anything else. He can beat anybody off the dribble, and that elite burst is something the Celtics haven't really had since IT. I think even Kyrie, for those of you like, hey, we had Kyrie. Kyrie's more methodical than lightning quick. So I think Schroeder is one of the fastest guys in the league, and there's nobody quite like him on this roster in that speed department. And I just like having this super skilled lineup to close out the half. Um, it, it's going to be a fast team. You're going to have Robert Williams rolling to the basket. It's going to be five out. It's going to be beautiful basketball. Marcus Smart, this is where you can put him on the best player on the other team. You haven't asked him to do that all half. You're asking him to do that to close out the most important minutes, and, and that's what I like about this. I like that rotation. I like it in the first. I like it in the fourth. Um, the reason I'm not going with it in the second is because I think that to close out the second quarter, usually I'd like to see some of the the, the rotation guys really get time to shine. Uh, legs are starting to get tired. Some of these guys are going to be entering just their second stint after only three, four minutes on the bench. Um, sorry, three, four minutes on the court. I love that the rotation you've just spoke about to me should be whenever you're in the lead and you're looking to clamp down, you run with this rotation. Whenever mm. you're closing out games, you run with this rotation. But also, if you've got a chase games and it's not being played at a ridiculously high pace, that rotation there is perfect again. Um, I think that's going to be one of the more consistent and impactful rotations that we're going to see all season. I'd be my my second half closing rotation is a lot different though, so I'd bring Schroeder back in at the one. I'd want Josh Richardson at the two. I'd want Jalen Brown playing the three, and I'm going to feature Jalen to end this quarter. I'm going to have probably Juancho stay at the four. No, do you know what? I'm going to get I'm going to get creative. I'm going to have Al Horford at the four, and then I'm going to have Rob at the five, and that's mm -hmm. how I'm going to put. And I'm going to feature Jalen Brown as a primary play finisher and ask Josh Richardson and Schroeder to be my um, primary and secondary creators. Al Horford's there if anything breaks down. You've got that um, that floor spacing from Horford at the four, and then you've got that Rob Williams. I'd love to see some Al Horford, Rob Williams, dribble, handoff craziness. That's, I don't know what's going on there, but I think it would be absolutely like, ridiculous. That could be fun. To see. Yeah. yeah. And look, when, I'm, when I'm running through these rotations in my head, I'm very aware that a lot of these are unlikely. I'm very aware that not all of them are going to work. But mm -hmm. after God knows how many years of Brad Stevens um, tinkering with rotations to start the year, whenever I'm doing one of these four exercises, I always want one very expen experimental lineup just to see if it can work or not. And running um, a double big like that with Horford at the four, Robert at the five, having Jalen Brown featured as your primary offensive piece for a 
you know, the last few minutes of the second half. I think that's good for Jalen's development. I think it mm-hmm. also shows Jalen how much trust you've got him in him as an individual, which goes a long way to keeping him happy in, in the future, which is ultra important to me. Um, and then you've got Trudeau that can obviously carry an offensive load and Josh Richardson that's quite a decent offensive piece, but is also very versatile defensively. So I'd be interested to see how that worked. However, the pace on that team would be absolutely horrendous. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Last year, for all the people like, oh no, double bigs. I don't want to ever see that again. Last year, let's remember the double big lineup was Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice. This is an Al Horford, Robert Williams double big scenario, which is a far more talented double big, and both guys that can pass, both guys that can you know catch lobs, and and that are a little bit more versatile defensively. So I I don't hate that. Now that's that's at the five minute mark. So that lineup, in my opinion, gets two minutes to see if it's if it's useful, and yeah, then you're like, okay, yeah, we're not we're not going a full five with that unless they're like absolutely killing it. And then you get Tatum back in to close the half. Um, Do you know what I like about it the most? That like in my head, I can just see Robert Williams dribble handoff into Al Horford, roll into the hoop, and Al Horford hitting that um, outside in kind of um, lob pass to Rob. Absolutely. Or hitting Rob on the short roll. But you could also do it that Rob Williams is the one that receives the dribble handoff. Rob's one of the best passers on the team. And hitting Al Horford on the short roll with some bullet passes just for mm-hmm. Al Horford, just catching drain mid-range shots. Like, I'm excited. So much, uh, yeah, I like, I really, <laughs> I really want to see just, you know, two, three minutes. If it doesn't work, yank one, slide one back up to the five, throw Tatum back in to help kind of steady the shift to close out the quarter. And uh, I think that works great. But I definitely want to see at least one experimental lineup in the first half of a few games to start the year. I like that. I like that. I don't know if you did this. So I, I um, wrote down like the minute totals. So in, in my rotations, I had Al Horford at 12 minutes in the first half, Jason Tatum at 17, Jalen Brown at 17, Neesmith at 9, Smart at 17, Schroeder at 12, Lob at 12, Wancho at 7, Peyton Pritchard at 10, Josh Richardson at 7. Um, so that's a 10-man 10, 10 rotation right there. No guys playing more. If you extrapolate that out to the second half as well, nobody's playing more than 34 minutes a game. Uh, you got Horford and um, Lob pretty much splitting it down the middle at the 5, 24 minutes. Um, I, 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 just, I just like the, the idea of, of getting everybody that's supposed to be playing a significant amount of time in that first half. And maybe in the second half, you cut that down to eight or you cut that down to nine yeah. with, you know, Neesmith potentially being the guy who doesn't see minutes in the second half or maybe Wancho not seeing any minutes in the second half. Um, the notable cuts though, man, no Grant, no Romeo. Neither yeah, I'm so, Grant or I, I, Romeo. I love me some Romeo Langford, but I just think that, as much as I want him to succeed, I just don't think he's going to get like just too much talent ahead of him at this point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if I have to, choose, I think Romeo has a ridiculously theoretical upside as a point guard. But Peyton Pritchard isn't theoretical. You've seen the development; he he is a bucket. So I have to lean Peyton Pritchard over Romeo Langford when I'm thinking about this scenario. Aaron Lee Smith for me. The spacing he provides, the defensive hustle he's providing. I have to lean Neesmith over Romeo at the two. At the three, there's just too much talent there. You can throw Josh Richardson there. You can throw Jalen Brown there. You can slide Tatum down to the three. I don't see Romeo really getting a look in there. At which point, how does he get minutes? Grant Williams yeah. is Grant Williams. He's situational. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's fine. 
I didn't write down my minutes totals, which I I, I am a bit upset with now because I could have done that. Um, <laughs> well, so for Romeo, for me, and if you wanna if you wanna write down your minutes totals as I'm talking, feel free. But with Romeo, I think his best chance of playing is if Richardson ends up just like going on a heater and being a great shooter again, being like up at near forty percent. Because with what Neesmith offers is that shooting. So if Richardson's able to just like play really well in the first half of games, then Neesmith isn't really necessary in the second half. So maybe Romeo comes in, maybe Richardson starts the second half of the two and Romeo ends up being the backup wing um, in the second half rather than Neesmith just because he's probably the more reliable defensive player. And in the second half of games, you want the most consistent, most reliable people on the court. As you said earlier, the first half is probably the time that you want to experiment a little bit more. And second half, you want to go with more of your known values, your known quantities. And I think we can both agree that Romeo has a higher upside at as a defensive wing than Neesmith, though he doesn't necessarily bring the pure hustle that Neesmith brings. But I, I love in these rotations, if you talk about the depth of the roster, there's so much competition now yeah. at these important at, guys. Guys are going to have to compete if they want to be on the court. And that I think that's only going to bring out the best in everybody. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, I'm not going to do my minutes totals because then I'm going to have to, I've done most of these rotations off the dome. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to have to listen back to it to actually get the minute totals. If I'm being quite honest. Um, but I agree. I think Romeo, as I've said this multiple times, out of all the young guys, Romeo has the highest ceiling out of all of them. Unfortunately, he also has the lowest floor. And at the moment, he's operating close to that floor rather than close to the ceiling. So for him to get minutes, he's going to need to show improvement offensively because there's so many defensive-minded wings that you can throw out there now, like Richardson can lock guys up. You can slide Tatum or Brown up to the three or down to the three. They can lock guys up. Uh, I do think that Romeo's defense as a positional defender uh, with his length is more valuable than what Neesmith's defense is because Neesmith is quite reckless. He's the Miley Cyrus type defense coming like a wrecking ball. Um, and I think that has value in certain instances, but it doesn't have value consistently because you could hurt someone or you could end up getting yourself thrown out of the game and get a suspension. And really, you're just playing with full heart. You know, clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. Clear eyes, full heart, can get yourself suspended for two, three games. <laughs> so um, I do understand that that outlook. But at the same time, I think until Langford can be at least a like a neutral offensive piece where he's not giving, he's not hurting you offensively, that he's going to struggle to get minutes on the floor because everybody else out there can D up and they can get buckets. And I think that's where the biggest issue was last year. There was too many specialists and not enough all-round guys. And this year, it's complete opposite. And that's going to mean Langford really has to find his game. Otherwise, he's going to be riding the pine all year. For sure. Hey, man, it's September 5th. We made it 50 minutes in a podcast actually being entertaining and actually talking about stuff that people might want to listen to. Yep. I've been listening to a lot of NBA pods these days. There's not a lot of interesting content out there right now. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give myself a pat on the back. For yeah, dude, you deserve idea. it, man. I'm going to get cooked for some of these rotations I've thrown out there, dude. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to my uh, my mentions tomorrow. But um, do you know what? That's what it's all about. We, you know, we're going to get people talking. Hopefully, if you anyone listening, if you want to do one of these um, rotation pieces, write it down on a piece of paper, on a Word doc or something, take a screen grab. Tweet it at us. Let us see what your rotations would be. 
and we can go back and forth, man. We can get a dialogue going on. Maybe in the next episode next week, we can do a second half rotation if everybody's interested, depending on what our response is like to this one. And yes, I know some of mine were experimental, but what can I say? I'm a Brad Stevens child. I, I like the experimental rotations early in the season. <laughs> um, Greg, is there anything you want to promo before we go? Uh, no, man. Follow my man, Adam Taylor, NBA with the blue check. That's what I'm, I'm using my time today for people to follow you. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Guys, if you're watching on YouTube, because all episodes are now going to be in entirety on YouTube, you can see that we have our names on the screen in front of you with our handles for whatever social media platform we're using. If you're not watching on YouTube, you're listening in the car on a commute or whatever, please make sure to leave that five-star written review. Only nice things because, you know, we're nice people. We like to hear nice things. It helps out enormously. If you're not on an Apple device, the usual stuff, friend, waiter, DoorDash, I don't care what it is. If they're wearing something Celtics related, they need to be listening to this show. We will be back again on Wednesday. have no idea what we're going to be talking about, but we'll be here um, back in the full swing of things now. Greg, man, you came up with an awesome podcast idea. Um, I think that it's going to be the most entertaining podcast that's out to release tomorrow. I feel comfortable in saying that, man. So I'm being serious when I say huge props to you, man, because I had no idea what was going to happen on this episode. I tell you, bro, I drank a large coffee this morning and I just came up with like 20 ideas in, in, in like this epiphanous moment. I was like, all right, we're doing this. Yeah, dude, I love it when that happens, man. But um, there's so few and far between because do you drink coffee every morning? Um, I drink good coffee on the weekends, but I do drink coffee every morning. But I go out and actually buy coffee from this place uh, near me. It's called Palomino. Shout out Palomino. And they just like, I don't know what they put in their coffee, but it's some good my stuff. most creative moments are Saturday and Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm going to have to come out to uh, San Antonio. Where are you at? Um, Austin, Texas. Yeah, I'm going to have to come out to Austin and get some decent coffee then, dude. At the moment, I'm shipping in, um, I'm having Dunkin's imported so I can just drink Dunkies all the time. <laughs> it's, uh, it's costing me a, quite a large amount of money every month. So that needs That's to the out. next sponsor, bro. It's the next sponsor. Yeah, I'm telling you, dude. After, do you know how many times I've reached out to Dunkin' Donuts and asked them if I could be a brand ambassador? <laughs> like, I'm serious, like easily 20 times. Well, you get the blue check now. Try again. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Great. See how we brought that full circle? I love it. I love it. <laughs> Guys, as usual, thank you for listening. Guys and girls, I do apologize. I'm trying to be, you know, we are inclusive here. Um, Greg, thank you for joining us, man. I'll catch you again next week. Everybody, you can find me on Wednesday. Make sure to follow my man Greg at Manakis underscore music on Instagram and Minimo on Twitter where he's firing out musical takes. He's firing out basketball takes. You know, it's just pretty much an all-round dude. So make sure you go shoot him, show him some love, shoot him a follow. Catch you again later this week. Peace. Peace. Disrespecting you haters, I ain't sweating your opinion. Y'all been testing my patience, never did it for a check. I've been impressed with the famous, just rather be creative than stressing my wages. Ageless every time I lay a verse down, one play at a time, keep it moving like a first down. And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this. MJ never made it to the major, still he chased greatness, expected that he might fail, and I might too. I might never get to pop champagne, celebrating with the crew. This ain't I am, it's something that I do